In order to truly become part of the global business environment, your business needs to constantly change and adapt to a variety of new constants. Welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders with Kimberly J. Lewis. We will help you navigate these changes on today's program and help you think beyond the boundaries. The opportunities are limitless if you are prepared. Now, here is your host, Kimberly J. Lewis. Welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm your host, Kimberly Lewis. And I would first like to thank all our listeners for listening each week. And we do have listeners from all over the world. So good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you may be listening from today. Now, if you're new to this show, let me tell you what the show's about. Leadership Beyond Borders is about the impact globalization, digital transition, and the connected world is having on our organizations and what this impact is doing to the kind of leadership we need to drive long-term success in today's economy. In this series, we have talked about everything from business issues such as artificial intelligence and data protection regulations to leadership issues such as gender balance, generational management, and business values that may impact your organization or your individual career. So please download us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher, or listen to us live every Tuesday, 3 p.m. Pacific time. When you listen to us, you can listen to great advice, leadership success stories that you can learn from, stories that can motivate you, stimulate new ideas, and possibly even be the key to your success. I invite you to connect with me, Kimberly Lewis, at leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now, if you're in a leadership position or aspire to be in one, regardless if your business is international or local, make sure you join us each week and we'll make sure that you take away something useful for either your business or yourself. Now, on to what we're going to talk about today. And we're going to talk about entrepreneurship. And although the statistics vary, most statistics are showing that around 61% of Generation Z that's entering the workforce now say they want to be entrepreneurs. Now, part of this is because of the great success stories we see in the news, you know, so stories such as Snapchat creator Evan Spiegel, and, you know, there are a lot of billionaires under 30. So this is motivating people, but it's not just about the money. Um, a lot has to do with wanting to be their own bosses and wanting to be creative. And entrepreneurship is about being your boss and being creative. It is also very, very hard. With eight out of star- 10 startups failing, it would be difficult to be a success without a lot of experience in business and without understanding business. And these generation Zs that are coming in to the, to the workforce now really have not had this business experience. But this does not make them or have the possibility to be brilliant entrepreneurs. Now, today we're going to talk about startups and what we need to do to be successful and to have a successful startup. And we're going to talk about the secret formula behind a successful startup. And we're going to talk with an expert and a serial entrepreneur. Greg Shepard is the CEO and founder of Boss Capital Partners. He is a serial entrepreneur, author, speaker, and angel venture capital investor with a legacy of building and running sustainable growth businesses. Driven by a transformational leadership style, Greg has spearheaded multiple company exits in the biotech, transit tech, ad tech, and martech space. Two of his former companies were acquired by eBay Enterprises Marketing Solutions in January 2016 as part of the cross-brand deal totaling largely over $900 million. The transition comprised of the purchase and sale of numerous companies, two of which were Greg's. Now, he has won Tech Deal of the Year, over $250 million. Private Equity Deal of the Year, over $500 million to $1 billion, and Cross-Border Deal of the Year, $500 million to $1 billion, just to name a few of the things he's been involved in. And most recently, he has been authoring a book titled Meet the Boss, the Agile Playbook for Startups, and it's slated to publish very soon. Now, alongside his book, there will be many TEDx talks about this subject. So first, welcome to the show, Greg. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's an honor. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. And and just let's just start with, I mean, how, what made you become an entrepreneur? So, you know, I am uh, actually, I have a, a visual processing disorder. I'm autistic and I also have dyslexia. And so 
growing up, I always wanted to build companies. I started selling Rubik's cubes when I was like, I don't know, eight. I was importing <laughs> them from China when I was 10 or 12. Um, and I started my first business when I was 19. Um, and then I think I was in, in my early 20s when I started a, a, a bank and then a biotech company. And then when the internet came out, then, then it was just, a, I mean, it was amazing. But I think for people like me, there's a lot of people out there that have really high uh, scores, what they call a WIS score, which is basically an intelligence score. But they have other things. You know, people have ADD and things like this. And, you know, these kind of people, they're brilliant, but they can't go out and work for corporate America. Mm-hmm. And so I decided, look, I'm going to build my own businesses because it's the only way I can be successful. And I love doing it. And so I started, uh, I started that way. And it's been, you know, a hell of a journey. I mean, I came from nothing, too. So, you know, my family, we, we literally lived in tents uh, for a couple of years while we were building our house. And, I mean, it was, you know, I came from nothing. <laughs> so. Wow, wow. I mean, that's such an inspiring inspiring story. And, and you see the this, this stats today, Greg, on on this new generation, Generation Z, of wanting to be entrepreneurs. And you started with 20. Um wasn't that hard? I mean, what? Oh my God. Yeah. It, it's the thing I tell people, you know, it's, it's, uh, I tell people, I'm like, look, it's, it is, it is a hundred times harder than you can possibly fathom, you know, when you start from nothing. If you have something, you know, if you have, you know, a, you know, some family that's in business or you have at least something, right, to start out with, then I think it's probably uh, quite a bit easier, but it's still very, very difficult. And there are a lot of failures on the way. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you have to realize that every failure is just one stepping stone to success and that they have to happen. There is no crossing the gauntlet without getting hit a few times. You know, I think of like I was I was watching Raiders of the Lost Ark with my son and I was thinking, yeah, that's what it's like building a business. <laughs> that's just true. And what do you think of the stats with the generations that, um, you know, because they really, the, the, they've interviewed so many and I, I work with some universities and I see them and, and so many want to be entrepreneurs. What do you think the motivation behind that is? Do you think it's just um, a change in lifestyle, um, all these examples? What do you think's motivating them? I think the world's changing. I think that these, these uh, younger generations have realized that, uh, you can change the world by building businesses, which is why I do what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that's part of it. I don't think that the money is as much a part of it as other people think. I think it has to do with more people wanting to change the world, uh, people thinking they have good ideas, people thinking that corporate America is sort of broken in terms of its ability to build. Uh, you know, I mean, acquisitions are how they they do things. I mean, corporate doesn't build things anymore. They buy things. Yeah. So I think that there is, you know, this whole new market where basically, you know, I tell this people, I tell this to people all the time, but, you know, I think that business, corporate America buys businesses like consumers buy products. Mm -hmm. So if you build the right product uh, slash business for a big company, they'll buy your company. I mean, that's how they operate. And I think that's caught on. I mean, I spend a lot of time also with the universities, you know, I'm teaching boss now, at a couple of universities, but Boss is the business operating support system. Uh, that's what the book's about and everything. And, mm-hmm. and you know, I talk to and interview a lot of these entrepreneurs and a lot of them in accelerators and incubators and college students and stuff. And when I interview them, and I've done 1,200 interviews, it's pretty, it's pretty interesting that the majority of them are not after money. In fact, I don't think I've ever heard somebody say they want to get rich. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, what I've heard is people say, I have really good ideas. I think I can make things happen. I think I can change things, stuff like that. It's pretty, pretty cool. And it's not just in the United States. This is, this is global. And there's a lot of, and uh, we want to come back and we're going to talk about boss and in your system um, in the next segment. But I, I just want to stay on this generation because it's just so interesting, the shift in, in, what's going on in the workplace and the shift in the workplace. And, and um, there's a lot of universities now, or I see them here in Europe, that are actually adding accelerated programs to their portfolio. Mm-hmm. Are, you, are you seeing that in the United States also? Oh, I, yeah, I see it everywhere. So my, so my firm, we have, I'm, I'm, there's only two Americans out of 50, right? Mm-hmm. All the investors are actually in other countries. So I see about 200, between 150 and 200 deals a month. 
and about half of them come from other countries, especially Europe. Some of them come out of Asia, but a lot of businesses come out of Europe, and 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 I'm seeing this globally. Yeah, and you know, one of I asked these entrepreneurs in the initial call. Every time I ask them the same thing, I say, first of all, what I want you to do is tell me 30 seconds about your business. Then I want you to tell me 30 seconds about you, and then I want you to tell me five minutes on how you got the idea. And what and they'll always go over it, but that's the idea, right? Mm-hmm. I know they're going to go over. And, you know, when they tell me about their background and how they got the idea, you really learn about how these entrepreneurs are developing. And it's really they're, they're thinking to themselves that they can solve problems or take advantage of opportunities on their own. You know, it's really amazing. Like you talk to them and say, yeah, I was working at this or my dad did that or my uncle did that. and I saw this problem and I decided to build a business around it. And it's. It's really, really neat. You know, they feel uh, empowered to be able to do this now, which is, I think, unusual, you know, looking back in history. Mm-hmm. And when you're at wait, 200 to, to, to 200 to 250 a month, that's that's a lot. And, and when you're when you're talking to these um, entrepreneurs and what what's the biggest thing you're looking for? OK, um, obviously, there there has to be solving a problem. But is it the person? Is it is it the market or is everything of equal? Yeah, so you, that's actually a that's a really good question. I've never been asked that before by <laughs> somebody that so directly. So I, I'm really happy to give the information to entrepreneurs. Um, first of all, you know, there's two types of businesses. There's businesses that solve a problem, and there's businesses that take care of an opportunity or take advantage of an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Second of all, people and businesses buy products that make or save money. And third, you can bet on the horse or the jockey. And then lastly, I look for things that are an inch wide and a mile deep. So let me unpack that for you for a second. So when you look at a somebody that's solving a problem, this is a real problem that's out there right now and somebody's making a solution for this actual problem. That's one type of a business. Another type of a business is somebody that the problem doesn't exist, but they're taking advantage of an opportunity. Social media would be an example of that. There was no problem there. Right. Mm-hmm. They just took advantage of an opportunity. And so the other one is make or save money. Right. So if you're building something that's going to save people money, that's a lot different than building something for people that are going to make money. Right. So you have that to break down. And then when you're an investor, you invest on either the horse, meaning the product itself or the jockey, meaning the management team. And I get in a lot of debates with people. I never bet on the jockey. And everybody goes, well, you always have to bet on the management team. And you hear this all the time. You have to bet on the management team. (laughs) Well, the management team's never done it before. And if they had, they wouldn't be on the phone with me because they wouldn't need my money. They would need, (laughs) they would have their own money, right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So I say, listen, you know, would you bet on doctor that's never done surgery before uh, on your surgery? Would you bet on a soldier running through a minefield that's never been in a minefield before? Of course not, right? So you have to help these entrepreneurs, you can't just give them money and then leave. That's why the the failure rate is so ridiculously high and unacceptable, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. It's because these investors just throw money at them and they accept that nine or eight, eight or nine of them are going to fail and the one that's going to make it is going to pay for the other losses. And that's just not okay for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last piece, I think, is that, you know, I bet on deals that are inch wide, mile deep, meaning a mile wide opportunity, everybody sees it. Right? Mm-hmm. So everybody's out there trying to solve it. Everybody's the Uber of everything, right? Yeah. Those are mile-wide opportunities, and everybody sees them, and they're usually an inch deep. This is an inch wide and a mile deep. These are ideas that only people have and problems and opportunities that only people see that are deep, deep subject matter experts, and that's what I look for. Mm-hmm. I don't look for a jockey to know how to run a business. I look for them to understand their their industry, their industry. subject matter. Yeah. That's, that's, that is really interesting. Um, Greg, we're going to take a short break, and I want to come back to this, and then I want to talk to you once you do make this bet, um, how you're going about this and talk about this boss system that has developed and, you know, get down into the nitty-gritty of what happens with these startups. Because as you said, 8 out of 10 failed, and maybe it's because people are betting on the wrong, on the wrong thing, but also... As you said, these jockeys don't have a lot of experience. So yeah. how do you help them? <laughs> so we're going to take a short break. Um, and for our listeners, we are speaking with Greg Shepard, CEO and founder of 
Boss Capital Partners. He is a serial entrepreneur, author, speaker, and angel venture capital investor and with a legacy of running uh, sustainable growth businesses. He's also the author of Meet the Boss, the Agile Playbook for Startups. And this is slated to be published very soon along with his TED Talks that he will be holding about this subject. Now, you can pre-order a copy of his book from his website. You can also connect with Greg on um, his website, gregoryshepherd.com, on Facebook under Gregory J. Shepherd, LinkedIn under Greg Shepherd, and Twitter, Greg Shepherd. And I'm your host, Kimberly Lewis, leadership and business expert. You can contact me with questions and comments at leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Join our LinkedIn group and get in contact with me. Now, this broadcast is also brought to you by Cinda, one of Europe's fastest-growing nonprofit digital and marketing local search associations. Cinda holds conferences and digital, digital conferences in Europe, and the next conference will be held May 24th to 26th in Berlin. For more information on that, please go to www.cinda.com under localcom2020. And with that, we're going to take a short break And when we come back, we're going to talk to Greg about digging in a little bit deeper on what makes startups successful and is there a system to help them be successful. So we'll tune in in a few minutes. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders on Voice America's business channel. And today we are speaking with Greg Shepard. He's a CEO, founder of Boss Capital Partners. He's a serial entrepreneur, author, and speaker. He's also the author of the book, Meet the Boss, an agile playbook for start books. And this book has just been picked up by Forbes. Um, uh, just to, you just said that in our break, uh, Greg. So before I even go into more questions, just tell me about that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's it's, it's you know incredible actually. <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah, I've been working on it for let's see, it's almost four years now. So I've done you know th- you know a couple of thousand interviews, and you know I've studied the Navy SEALs and. Uh, the, the Marine Corps and, uh, you know, can, congressional candidates and incubators, accelerators, investors, entrepreneurs. I mean, it goes across the board. 
Um, and, you know, I've been working on the thing for a long time and I was able to meet with them and they uh, accepted it. So uh, pretty, pretty excited about that. Wow, that's great. So let's let's um, before the break, we're talking about, you know, what you look at when you're you're, you're looking at the business with the problem, the opportunity. Um, you know, does it make money or save money? And are you betting on the horse, the jockey? Okay. So let's say you've gone through this process now and let's talk about boss. So boss is a way that as an investor, do you help guide entrepreneurs with this system? Can you tell us about this boss? Yeah. So basically what I did is I went back, you know, over about 25 years, I studied uh, all of the different what I call operating systems that are out there. So this would be the likes of like Six Sigma and mm-hmm. OKRs, you know, objectives and key results and OGSMs and uh, 40X and Lean and just everything, right? I've studied all of them and some military strategies, government strategies, stuff like that. And what I found out is that there are certain stages where certain parts of different operating systems are useful and certain stages where they are not. And even the ones that are useful during the startup uh, lifecycle stages have to be tweaked a little bit. And that they are, uh, they are they sort of need to be put together in an, in an organizational structure. So there's five stages of boss and each one of those stages of boss goes with the five levels of a business, which goes from reactive to proactive and uh, from you know sort of a broken, disorganized company all the way up to market leading company. And so these these things sort of level out things. So you start out by saying, okay, where where what are the different stages of, of the life cycle of a business that align with things like, you know, the 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 capital raising, so pre-seed, seed, series seed, series A, series B, and so on. And then also that lines up with things like proof of concept and market and buyer validation and operational and growth and scale and so on and so on down the down the down the line. So Basically, what I did is I put together all these things over time, and then I tested them in my own startups. You know, I've done my own share of startups. And so, you know, I tested them at different stages and different companies, and then I started doing it as an investor. And I've done it in carve-outs like the eBay transaction and turnarounds uh, and cleanups, which are different types of businesses that I've, you know, saved, you know, that were on the brink of going out of business and pull them out of the sort of out of the depths of hell and then save them and then sell them. Um, And so... You know, this system that I created, I decided I was going to, you know, really try to help more entrepreneurs succeed because I have a passion for that uh, because it helps sort of do wealth distribution. You, know, mm-hmm. you take all this wealth that's, you know, stuck on the top and flush it down to entrepreneurs. These people work really hard and, you know, they're more responsible with their money and so on. So, you know, I really, really have a passion for that. And so I decided I was just going to start, you know, writing about it. And so I started writing and I write for Forbes and Entrepreneur and Fortune and, you know, all these different places. I started speaking at events, uh, doing podcasts. And then, you know, I started writing the book and then I started teaching at universities. And the whole idea of it is to really help more entrepreneurs succeed by using a a framework that allows them to not fall off the rails. Mm -hmm. I got that framework by studying where people fail. You know, so if you start out and you say, okay, let's say eight to nine businesses fail, that's a really broken, I mean, that's a big, first of all, that's a big range. Like, where do they fail? Yeah. Do they fail at after the incubator? Do they fail, you know, at series B? Do they, where, you know, where do they fail? And then why do they fail, right? So where do they fail along the path and why do they fail when they fail? And then I created Boss to sort of fix those problems. Okay. When you, when you were looking all that, and I wanted to, I want to talk about it about boss in detail, but just in a in a nutshell, is there is there a common place where a common stage where these businesses fail? Yeah, it's it's very interesting. There are, there's there's a few different stages. The most critical one seems to be like if I were to say that you know where is triage. Where should triage be? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's right after they leave the incubator. So a lot of these businesses go into an incubator, an accelerator, and there's a massive drop off of businesses that can't make it past that. It, it makes a lot of sense because if you go into an incubator accelerator, whether it's in school or outside of school or whatever, right? You go into this program and they tell you how to take ideation, you know, your idea yeah. and shape it into a deck, 
right? Mm -hmm. And then they take that deck and then they go out and start pitching it. Well, you have now an entrepreneur that knows how to pitch their idea, but doesn't know anything after that. There's no plan following that, right? They've never built a business before. You're like, where's your go-to-market strategy? They don't even know what that means. You know, how are you going to handle scalability and sustainability and standardization down the line? They don't know what that means. How are you measuring? They have some idea of KPIs that they've learned, you know, along the way. You know, what is your 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 product strategy? How does your product stack work? You know, all of these things that uh, that you need to have in order to operate a real business, they don't know. Mm-hmm. And so what happens is they get their first round of funding and they figure that stuff out with the money instead of building the business with the money. Uh-huh. And now they need more money, right? But they don't have anything. And the investors are like, I gave you money. You don't have anything. I'm not giving you any more money. And then they go out of business. Yeah. Right. So it makes perfect sense. I mean, that's what I mean by the horse or the jockey, right? You're like, here, jockey, I'm going to give you all this money. The guy's never ridden a horse before. I want (laughs) you to win the Kentucky Derby. Right. They get on the horse. They fall off for the whole year, right? Trying to learn how to ride the horse. And then they can't win. And then the guy goes, not, not funny you. You didn't win. Oh, oh, yeah, no, I know. You know, I've seen um, uh, quite a few startups and work with quite a few startups also. And um, and really, I, scalability and go-to-market, I think, are some of the biggest things that I've seen that they, you know, once they leave that incubator, they're just like, what do we do now? Okay. Yeah, that's <laughs> so, the first one. You want to hear what the second big one is? What's the second big one? I get on the phone with people and I ask them, I go, What's your exit strategy? I mean, who do you want to sell to? When do you want to yeah. sell? How much do you want to sell for? And what's your roadmap to get there? And 99.9% of them don't have that, right? So the way I look at this is, like I said earlier, if your business is a product to your buyer, would you build a product without having a customer? I mean, a clean, ideal customer profile, right? So why would you build a business without having a buyer, an ideal buyer profile? And they don't most of the time. So here's what happens in the second stage. Let's say they make it past the first gauntlet, right? And now they go into the second stage. They go into the second stage. And now what they're dealing with is they're dealing with this idea of, okay, now I have to figure out how, where I'm going to spend the money I get. So let's say that you raise, you know, $2 million and you're burning through this $2 million. You're burning through the $2 million. You're burning through the $2 Now you run out of the $2 million. You raise another $2 million, you burn through that, and now you're like, okay, I've got $5 million in revenue in, in ARR, and so maybe it's a 3X top, so you have a $15 million company, and you're like sitting there going, okay, now I've got a $15 million company, and you go to buyers, and they go, I don't, I don't have the same customers you have. Why would I be interested in buying your company? It's not valuable to me at all. Now you've spent $6 million, three rounds of two, right, Yeah. in order to get these customers that the buyer doesn't even care about. Whereas if you had started out by saying, who is my buyer, and then understanding the ideal buyer profile and the ideal customer profile of that buyer, you would be spending money to get the customers that they already have. Mm-hmm. Because companies buy your company to sell products to the customers they've already paid for. The biggest cost of building a business is the customer acquisition cost. Mm-hmm. Well, these big companies have absorbed that cost several times over. So they don't want, they don't care about your customers most of the time. They just want to make sure that your, that their customers will buy your product. And so if you don't establish that in the beginning and build that along the whole time as you're spending money, you could get to the end and be in a very bad situation. And that's where the second gauntlet is. Mm-hmm. You see these companies that get overfunded, they keep raising capital, they get, they get past the valuation of the company, and then they have to grow and you get caught in this cycle grow, fund, grow, fund, grow, fund, and they never get out of that cycle and pretty soon it's overvalued. And you see this in the stock market even with these big companies like, you know, Airbnb and and Uber. Yep, and then they're devalued. Yeah, exactly. And And then what do they do? They go public. Well, you know, okay, so this changed too, right? It used to be that you could go public because you needed money to grow your business. Well, the market's changed now, right? It's back to 2008 where people were selling vapor and now the market's like, you go public to get to grow, to get more money. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you have to be profitable to go public, which is the whole idea of going public is that you you need money. That's why you're going public. You're, it's no different than raising capital from an investor. So now in, now going public isn't even an escape route, yep. right? So this is the second sort of big gauntlet for these folks. 
mm-hmm. you know, that, that you have to think about way in the beginning. Otherwise, you're literally burning capital for no reason. Now, if you're burning capital like that, and what happens is you get caught in that cycle. And this is where a lot of people go under. I see a lot of these businesses where, you know, they've raised, you know, capital. The round goes up. They don't want to have a flat round or a down round. So they keep on raising the round, even if they just raise it based on the last round. You know, so it's a post-money valuation. Eventually, you get to the point where, you know, nobody's going to pay what you have in your business. Uh, so, you know, because they're looking at it and they're saying, look, you've got 100 customers. I've got 25,000 customers. I don't care about your 100 customers. So this is where you get down to what are the, the main value drivers, right? So that's growth. Growth says somebody's interested in your business. People want to buy your product. Margin says you can do it at a profit and retention says that people are going to keep buying your product over time, that it has stickiness. Those value drivers all are make sense, but you also have to have attachment. So a base, let's say in that analogy, this customer, this uh, buyer has 25,000 customers. That would be the base. An attachment rate would be a percentage of your ICP that matches their ICP, what I call in ICP. Mm-hmm ideal customer profile matching with that. Does that make sense? That makes, that makes a really lot of sense. And when you were saying all that, um, I I was thinking about just going back to the the horse and the jockey and, and these, these entrepreneurs that are coming, you know, coming in, as you said, after they get out of the incubator phase and they start to go into this, they just don't have that experience. And especially if they're quite young and they don't have any business background anyways. And um, then they're kind of like, it's almost like thrown to the wolves, which is which is exactly goes back to what you're saying. You know, would you bet on the jockey that hasn't ever ridden a horse? You know, so um, it it does. The whole thing makes sense. And and Greg, we're gonna we're gonna take a short break, um, and when we come back, part of so all this that makes sense. You've developed this boss system to help entrepreneurs guide their way. Okay? And I, I would like to talk a little bit about that and, and the phases behind this boss system and, and how you've created this structure to help them. Is that okay with you? Yeah, that would be fantastic. Okay. So we're going to take a short break. Um, and for our listeners, we are speaking with Greg Shepard, and he is the founder of Boss Capital Partners, and he's a serial entrepreneur, and he's also the author of Meet the Boss, um, the Agile Playbook of Startups, which has just been picked up by Forbes. And when we get back from the break, he's going to tell us exactly what, what boss means and um, some of the components of, of this structure to help uh, entrepreneurs guide their way through the jungle we were just talking about. Now, if you want to connect with Greg, you can connect with him on his website, gregoryshepherd.com. You can also order, pre-order one of his books on his website. And he's also on Facebook under Gregory J. Shepard and on LinkedIn under Greg Shepard and on Twitter under Greg Shepard. And I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host, uh, leadership and business expert. And this broadcast is also brought to you by Cinda, one of Europe's fastest growing nonprofit digital marketing and local search association. Cinda holds digital conferences in Europe. And the next conference will be held May 24th to 26th in Berlin, Germany. And for more information, please go to www.cinda.org under events, localcom. And Berlin is actually a great place that we're talking about startups. It's one of the fastest growing startup um, cities in Europe. So go see Cinda in Berlin. And with that, we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. 
Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa. Play Finding Your Frequency Podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders on Voice America's business channel. And today we're talking about entrepreneurship and startups. And we're talking with Greg Shepard. He's the CEO and founder of Boss Capital Partners and the author of Meet the Boss, the agile playbook for startups that has just been picked up by Forbes, which is absolutely amazing, Greg. Now, we've just, we were just talking before the show about where, you know, what happens and where startups fail and um, and you gave us some great information and some fantastic insights and where, where actually everything kind of falls apart. But now you've created a system to help guide these entrepreneurs who have never gone through these processes, and it's the BOSS system. So can you tell, tell us a little bit about that, please? Yeah, sure. So um, it's, 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 a, it's an honor to. I mean, my whole thing is to help entrepreneurs succeed. I mean, when I so-called made it, I guess, uh, I was like, how do I give back? And I thought, well, if I can make, make it so that more entrepreneurs succeed and I can help with wealth distribution, help some really incredible products hit the market that help society and the planet as, as a whole, then this is what I should do. And that's what I do. So it's an honor to be able to share this with people. Yeah. Uh, I consider it to be a open source operating system. I think of it like software, right? So mm-hmm. it's constantly getting revised. You have to go to the website to see the revisions, but uh, the the book is obviously ink, so you know things change. But in the book, it'll tell you, oh, go here for new stuff. So when I think about boss, I think about uh, first of all, there's five levels in businesses, right? So level one business, level two business, level three, and so on. And those five levels align up with the five levels of boss and the five levels of uh, funding and str- strategy and everything, all the way out to an exit strategy. Mm-hmm. And so. Along with what I was telling you before, the the very first, and you know, you start with uh, the end in mind. Stephen Covey uh, coined that. And so, what's the end? Well, investors and you don't make any money until the business sells. So you start with who's going to buy your business. So I call this the North Star, and you see the North Star, no matter where you are, it guides you. And if you don't have a North Star, if you think about it, if you're one degree off and you're trying to cross the ocean, you're going to end up in a different continent by the time you get there. So you really want to make sure that you have a clear North Star so you can guide yourself there. So in the North Star, the first thing is what? So what? Uh, what is your business and what is your product? And that's just description, feature, benefit. And then the second thing is who? So who is your customer and who is the buyer of your, pro- uh, of your, of your, your, your company? Um, and then why? And why should somebody buy your business and why should somebody buy your product? And that's just description or problem solution impact. And then you figure out from there when. So what is your timeline? And this is very important because the time horizon aligns with uh, the the funding rounds and where your revenue is and sort of uh, that's your compass on the way to meeting the North Star. So you sit back and you say, okay, I want to sell my company for 50 million. You know, companies are getting uh, 3x on top that are in my space. These are just numbers that I'm using for this example, yeah. by the way. Yeah. So that means I need to be doing about 10 million in top end revenue. 
So now you can back into it and say, okay, well, if I need to be doing 10 million in top line revenue, I need to be doing about 2.5 million in growth per quarter. And now you have some idea of how you're going to get to that exit, how long it's going to take. And then you can back in how you raise capital and how you build out your business based on that. Now, second, if you understand who is going to buy your business, then you can build your business specifically for a buyer. And if you understand why, then you can understand, you can sort of craft your business to solve the problems or take advantage of an opportunity that these people are interested in. So it changes the whole way you design your company from the first place. Now that you have your North Star, you go into level two, right? The second phase of it is to set aside a strategy. Now, strategy is just a plan. I mean, that's all it means. People use strategy all over the place. It's just a plan, right? So your plan starts out with understanding your functional areas. So what I call FAs. So your functional areas, in most software companies, they have four functional areas. Sales and marketing, service delivery, shared services, and product and tech. And those are the four functional areas. Now that you have those four functional areas, you take your top line objectives and you back them into what I call a mission which I got from the Navy SEALs and uh, a lot of the military people, um, which works really well. The mission is to accomplish those top-line objectives per functional area. So now if you look at the top-line objective being growth, growth would line up with what functional area? Sales and marketing. Marketing. Makes sense, right? Shared services. Shared services is operation. Where would it line up? It would line up with margin, right? Retention would be service delivery, the people that work with the customers, and product and tech, right? Mm-hmm. So now you have top line of net. So those boil down into the four functional areas. Underneath those four functional areas, that's the C-level executive, the top-level executives to the four functional areas. Right. Underneath that now you have your VP, your director, whatever the, the middle management is, and those people have objectives, and so there's three to five objectives for each mission. Those are the things that are, if they're accomplished, the mission is accomplished. And that's for the C-level, ex- or sorry, for the VP or director level. Now you have the level underneath that, and those are the key results. If the key results are done, the objective is done, if the objective is done, as the mission is done, they all line up with what's on the financials, and they all line up with different people on different levels of the management team. That's your strategy. Mm-hmm. Now when you get this first list, you have this, so now you have this whole list of stuff you have to get done. And so next thing you have to do is you have to prioritize the list. And so when you prioritize the list, what you do is you sit back and you say, okay, what is urgent and what is important? And you mark those. And then you say, what has the highest impact and the lowest effort? And then now you've got your prioritization. Now you have to work on delegation. Who's going to do what? Well, now you do a RACI. And so RACI just stands for Responsible, Accountable, Consulted, and Informed. And this is for alignment. So now you've got your delegation. You're like, okay, who's accountable? Well, obviously, the C-level person that's responsible for the mission is accountable. Who's responsible? The person who's actually doing the work. Who's consulted? Maybe you have to cross a line with other teams to get feedback and information so they don't feel left out and you get good information from all the functional areas. And then who's informed? Everybody once it's done. So now you've had delegation. So now you move into the next stage which is execution. And this is where everybody falls apart, right? Because people will say, okay, I'm going to lose weight. What do I have to do? Diet and exercise. Okay, I got it. Now, what am I going to do? I'm going to go to the gym every day. I'm not going to eat this food, whatever. And then a donut sits in front of them and that's where they fall apart. (laughs) (laughs) So the execution stage is an area where you you use the alliance of everybody. And I got some of this from the engineering side of my research uh, in Agile, which uh, in which you have a scrum meeting, right? You right. sit down, everybody has a scrum meeting every morning. I do this with my team still today and all my portfolio companies. You have a meeting in the morning and say, what did you do yesterday? What are you doing today? Do you have any blockers? Is there anything that I can do to help you move forward, mm-hmm. right? You do it, it's like a 15-minute meeting, and then they do that. And at the end of the day, they send an email. The next day, you go over what's in the email. The email is basically a, a, a written version of what's in the stand-up. And now you've got this execution motor running, right? This engine starting to run and you've got KPIs that sort of measure how you're, how you're going. Well, now what you have to do is you have to do standardization. Yep. Now, standardization is accountabilities and best practices. And so an accountability is, you know, who and what's going to happen. 
a best practice is how that's going to actually take place. And a trigger is when that's going to happen. And you build this little uh, knowledge base out. And it's not like a big, complicated, it's very functional. A lot of people, they think, oh, that's, you know, the employee directory or employee catalog or whatever, processes and procedures, these overbuilt things. This is very simple. In the triggers, it says this happens when you're triggered. That's when you get an email or some task from a CRM or something. And then there are things that are monthly, weekly, so on and so forth. And it says, here's what you need to do. You click on that link and it says, okay, here's how you do it. Open this, go here. It's literally like somebody is talking to you. This is really important because when you scale a business, 30% of the cost of scaling a business is absorbed in the growth of, of, of uh, every employee. So you hire a new employee, 30% of their wages is absorbed in training them and getting yeah. them up to speed. Yeah. So if you have best practices and a process that's already built out, it costs you like 12%. I mean, mm-hmm. that's what happens yeah. to me, right? And think about this. If you're high, if you're in a growth stage, you're hiring like 10 people and they're 100000 each, that gets very expensive. If you can cut that down in half, you just burned a lot less capital, a lot less dilution, and therefore a lot more yeah. in your pocket when you exit. And that's yeah. what standardization. Now, in addition to that, no company is going to buy your company without some instructions. I mean, Right. Anybody ever put together IKEA furniture knows that it's it's without instructions it's impossible. Try running a business. Yep. So you you put together best practices, and when the buyer comes in, you say, "This is how my business runs," mm-hmm. and they go, "Oh, great! I can see how it'll integrate." Yeah, and and that's so important, also, Craig, because because you know, when you think about it, that knowledge base is so important, especially today with um, turnover employees and. Um, um, you know, people only staying at jobs two through, you know, two months to two years um, to build that standardization, to build that that information and build that knowledge base that can be passed down to the next person. So you're not losing any value when somebody leaves, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you choose, you teach people. What I used to tell everybody is, I would say, listen, you teach them how to use Boss, mm-hmm. all right, and then yeah. they learn the subject matter expert at, on the job. Yeah. So you put them through a little boot camp and you train them. This is how boss works. This is how you can find the best practices. This is how things work. Then they go out and they shadow an employee for like a week. And then everybody in the business knows if somebody says, hey, how do you do this? Instead of answering the question, you send them a link to the best practice. And this cuts down huge disruption time and ramp up time. Absolutely. And by doing so, you know, you save yourself a ton of money. Yeah. And then the last stage is Kaizen, which mm -hmm. just means continuous improvement. And so you go back through the loop. I call it the Kaizen loop. You go back through your business and you start missions again. You go through the whole process and you just keep doing this over and over. It's really actually fundamentally very simple. In practice, it's a lot more difficult. But once people get used to using it, Mm -hmm. I'm telling you, in the beginning, people will complain. They're like, oh, man, I could have done this by the time it took me to write this out. And you're like, yeah, but nobody else could. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you're exactly. the only one. <laughs> uh, I, I've heard that so many times before. But uh, no, I mean, this this is absolutely fascinating for our listeners. I'm, you know, I've gone through, um, you know, uh, Greg's website and looked at this. And I, I really encourage people to, um, this is an absolutely fantastic system. And um and it's so valuable. It does save time. It makes sense. And that, and that's the thing that got me when I read this, Greg, is it makes sense, okay? It's kind of, it's kind of the keen sense of the obvious all put together that you never knew. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, it's like I logical, mean, right? It's like, yeah, and then when you look back, you're like, duh. No, exactly. Right? Yeah. exactly. Um, yeah. But we're, we're getting towards the end of our show, Greg, and I, this is so cool. I have a thousand questions, and, and I'd really like to do another show with you because I had questions about some of your companies um because it seems to me you have an um, a affiliation kind of a for uh performance marketing but we're not going to be able to get into that today so staying on this entrepreneur and boss subject and maybe i can invite you back to talk a little bit about that that. okay yeah Yeah. we could do on a performance marketing but we're as we get to the end of the show um, we've got a lot of um, entrepreneurs out there. We have a lot of managers out there. We have a lot of CEOs. We have a very executive audience out there. All this together as an entrepreneur and a boss, if you had one big tip to give people on trying to be successful with their companies, what would that be? 
I think that the, I mean, boss really, I mean, it's what I built it yeah. for, but I would say that um, one of the things is to be keenly aware of what you don't know. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, you know, there's that whole joke, well, you don't know what you don't know. Well, that's true, but you do know some things that you don't know, right? right? And you need to be really humble and sit down and say, look, I've never done this before. I need yeah. to go find somebody that has done this before and start working with that person. Yeah. You know, so that that would be the one thing, because I, I look back and I say, you know, I have had huge jumps in my education by having a conversation with one person that really knows what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. And you have five minutes and you're like, oh, holy crap. <laughs> oh, my God. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. even this podcast, there's probably things I've said here that people are like, holy oh. smoke. Oh, my God. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, I think that's so great. And thank you so much for sharing with us today. And um, just for our listeners, again, we've been talking with Greg Shepard, the CEO and founder of Boss Capital Partners, serial entrepreneur, author, speaker, and angel venture capital investor. And he's also the author of what we just talked about, Boss, which is absolutely a fantastic guide book for entrepreneurs, managers, companies, everybody. Um, I've taken a look at the content on your website. It's just fantastic. And we just got an insight and we got to hear about it from Greg himself. So if you want to reach out to Greg, please go to gregoryshepard.com is his website. On Facebook, Gregory J. Shepard. On LinkedIn, Greg Shepard. And on Twitter, Greg Shepard. And Greg, once again, thank you so much. And I will be contacting you because I want to talk to you about some of your uh, other companies um, and a little bit in performance marketing. So hopefully we'll be able to have you back on the show for another subject. Thank you. Okay. Uh, Now, listeners, one more time, please listen to us every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Pacific time. And if you do not have a chance to listen to us live, then please go to Stitcher, Google, uh, iTunes, and you can download us. And once again, this this series is Leadership Beyond Borders is a program sponsored by CINDA, the Search and Information Digital Association of Europe, and also by Leadership Beyond Borders, which is a, a Leadership Beyond Borders Academy, which is sponsored by Global Business Therapy, SRO, and the Women's Leadership Academy 2020 in Europe. So please contact me at leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter, on Facebook, under Leadership Beyond Borders, and join our LinkedIn group. And with that, thank you so much for listening this week, and please tune in again with us next week. Thank you for joining us on Leadership Beyond Borders. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Kimberly J. Lewis, on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.